What's up? This is Nikki D with Medium Plus. I've got an interview here today with Ty Blana. He is a local sommelier and beverage professional here in Seattle, Washington. Ty and I cover his work experience, plus uh, all sorts of details with traveling and the beverage world at large. So definitely uh, Ty is a fascinating dude. Uh, Medium Plus is edited and mixed by Chris Barr. You can find him at medium.plus slash Chris, and that'll take you to his SoundCloud page for uh, some examples of his music. And I'm Nick Davis. Um, Medium Plus is my project based here in Seattle, wine events and education. Without further ado, here's the interview. Cheers. Let's see. Let's get you a glass. And I don't, I don't think I'll do any kind of blind on this. We might as well just enjoy it. Open this today. Um, 2010 Gigal to Pop. Excellent. So a Grenache based blend here. 70% Grenache. 15% Syrah. 10% Muved. And 5% Autre or Other. Kind of. Okay. Any, anything that they might uh, field blend there have uh, yeah field yeah. blend you know there's there's 18 different varieties authorized for Chateauneuf du Pop so they have a tradition of field blends as you know yes I love Rhone wines oh same starting to get more into Rhone more and more I feel like it's very underrated um, compared to like you know the rest of the market Burgundy Bordeaux. <laughs> So these are the uh, Zalto water glasses. Wow. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Oop, I'll turn the microphone off. Is your phone off? Yeah. Okay. Oh, silent. Or Perfect. Thanks, bud. Yeah. Those are cool. Yeah, so these are hand blown. Uh, 50 bucks a glass still. These are like 35 oh. for the water. That's yeah. crazy. I'm trying to get some of the burgundies um, right now from uh, from Eric. From Eric, yeah. Yeah. We're doing a custom rosé with them for a pike this summer. We bought like 50 cases of it. Like throwing some glasses. Like you're doing a pike branded rosé? Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think you may have mentioned that at the dinner. Okay. Something about that. So what is your role at Pike? All right, now I'm just one of the pub managers, uh, transitioning into their new, uh, the, probably the wine director position um, as we open up um, various restaurants um, the, you know, this year and forthcoming years. But uh, yeah, I just do a lot of, just about everything, day-to-day -day operations to you know, creating uh, the wine program. I work on the bar program now, um, so just fun stuff. So the, I didn't realize they had wine and cocktails. Is this downtown at the main location? Yeah, yeah full wine list and wines by the glass. Um, we do, which is kind of cool, all of our wines by the glass are actually um, kegged, so they come out mm. in draft. Um, but we have we work with wineries around Washington um, to you know, we find and source like JM Sellers and be doing hopefully be doing a keg for us. Uh, so we're gonna do some cool stuff this uh, this summer coming up, um, going forward. 
So how does that work with the, the keg line? I've actually never dealt with it in service. Is it a CO2 line? Um, argon line. Oh, an argon line. Yeah, an that argon makes line, more sense. Yeah, it pushes, pushes it out, yeah. Okay, so obviously it's not going to have any carbonation. Which nope, yeah, it's C- one way. CO2 would carbonate it, carbonate, yeah. <laughs> which, I, you know, it, that'd be interesting to have, like, sparkling wine on draft. That would be pretty cool. I don't actually. know if, like, I'm sure it's been tried. Right, someone has to. I was like, that, that'd be interesting, though. Or like a Prosecco on tap or something. Like, I, th- I don't think it would ha- work with a traditional method in wine, but a wine that's made in the tank method. Yeah. Or forced carbonated in its origin, like Prosecco. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome to do it on tap. I mean, if they can do it with beer, and... There has to be a way. Th- there has to be a yeah. way. And even, like, the, the head on a beer is, like... It's very fine, almost like champagne bubbles. Total. If, if not, even they're more fine. Yeah, so I think, yeah. Hmm. It's interesting to try. So then you have the kegs. Do they live in a kind of a keg fridge? Mm-hmm. Kind of yep. like a, with beer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they stay in the same fridge. Our whites stay in the same fridge as our beer. Um, and our reds, we keep those at uh, room temp. And that's where, like, Pike is in, like, a subterranean basement there, like a cement bunker. So it's actually pretty pretty cool down there most of the time. Nice. So yeah, it's it's pretty pretty stable temperatures for that as well. What are how large are the kegs? Um, the there's th- six barrels. Six barrels. Yeah. Cool. So that's yeah. what is that? A half barrel? Is that the same thing? No. So half barrel. So as most people think of a keg when you say keg, that's actually a half barrel. Um, like a, like a full like a. I see. Keg, and then yeah. a barrel would be two kegs put together. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So then they have like quarter kegs. They have pony kegs. They have um, six barrels. You can get. Is a six barrel and a six dole the same thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the tall, tall cylindrical. Tall, skinny. Yeah, about like that big around diameter. Okay. So yeah, eight inches, ten inches around. And are all the beers that you serve at Pike, Pike beers? Um. So we have fourteen tap line or sixteen tap lines. Sorry. Um. Fourteen of those are. Usually, or sorry, twelve of those are usually pike beers, and we usually have two guest beers uh, that we and we source all of our beers and wine and, and liquor for that matter is all sourced locally, small batch and sustainable. Um, so we don't have like you can't come in and order Jägermeister, you can't come in and order you know Fireball, um, and it's we do we do that and it's just for, we're a family operate ran operation we have been for twenty eight years, um, and that's kind of where we um, want to keep it. So we just don't like to I mean, we don't like to support the big guys. We like to support the, the families and yeah, of keep it local. But um, and then the uh, the last two tap lines are for ciders. And I assume those are going to be local ciders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you we, guys make cider? No, we don't make cider. Um, we we really just focus on beer. <laughs> um, we uh, we partner a lot with like Two Town Ciders are one of our big partners. Mm-hmm. Um, Cider. Um, and there's, there's several that we work with. Uh, Portland Cider Company. There's a lot of good cider in the Seattle Pacific Northwest area. Yeah. Right now. But I like it's coming it. up more and more too. It's cool. Yeah, it's almost like we've gone through the cocktail renaissance, kind of maybe five, ten years ago. Then it is more of a wine renaissance in my mind, and now we're getting into, of course, ciders, beers. It's like all of these craft beverages are at their peak. Like what? What else is there? Yeah. To uh, <laughs> to have a renaissance of because we've, you know, everything's there now right and yeah who knows maybe eventually it'll do a whole other cycle right we'll go back to cocktails and some cool new thing will come out and that'll mm-hmm. be you know it's, it keeps reinventing itself 
But yeah, it's cool. So you're Tyblana. Mm-hmm. Am I saying your last name right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. And I guess um, I've known you for a year. Yeah. Right? Because I first met you at Foundation. That's right. With uh, our buddy Vinny. Um, introduced us. And uh, I can't remember if Amanda was there that, that night. I feel like she... She probably was. She may have been. I don't recall. Um, but I got to talking with you and you mentioned... Some of the things you did, I was like, wow, this guy has done all kinds of awesome stuff. And then, I guess it, we didn't hang out maybe for a few weeks later, or maybe even a month later or something. But mm. um, I've discovered that you are a man of many talents. I like to be well diverse, you know, learn to adapt to many, many, uh, you know, challenges. Are you, where are you from originally? From here in Seattle, or I guess Maple Valley, so Covington, kind of a little further south, um, southeast of here. I know your family still lives in the area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the significant part of my family lives here. Um, some lives in Portland, a couple on the East Coast now. Sister lives out there and stuff. So yeah, mostly here. Cool. Yeah. So after, what year did you graduate high school? Uh, 09. Okay, I was 06. Um, after high school till now... Did you go right into the beverage world, or, or did you explore some other areas first? <clears throat> no, so I actually worked for uh, um, Nintendo and the Pokemon Company International out in uh, Bellevue for uh, several years. Um, finally, you know, decided I was kind of tired of corporate life and wanted to follow my career, uh, build a career, and follow my passion in you know, the food, food industry. Uh, I loved to cook at the time, so I went to culinary school uh, in Napa Valley at the uh, Culinary Institute of America. Um, you know, while while going there, I just worked for uh, just worked for Thomas Keller as a um, in the back of house. You know, in various positions. Um, you know, kind of flew around the country and staged at a lot of places, figuring out where I really wanted to land. Um, I had an emergency that uh, brought me back here to Seattle um, about two years later, um, and worked at Canlis um, in the pastry uh, team there because I wanted to learn more about pastry. Um, and following that, I kind of took about three months off. Um, just kind of did some self-reflecting and figure out what I really want to do and where I want to focus um, and ended up opening up the Thompson Hotel in downtown Seattle um, earlier last year, about this oh, May of last year. And uh, kind of that's when I made the transi- transition to front of house and you know was promoted uh, from started as a server there, just kind of learned the way up, my way up and uh, ended up working up to be their wine, um, their wine person there. Mm-hmm. And after that, I um, parted ways with them and, and found myself at Pike. And here we are. And here we are. Quick, long, long story short. A yeah. quick, a quick <laughs> ascension yeah. um, through a, a lot of different paths. And I think it's really cool that you've um, gotten a taste of a lot of different areas. And I think that correlates to wine in a way for me, where when someone says this is my favorite wine well you only know what you you only like what you know mm-hmm. so if somebody's only ever had um let's say uh, california zinfandel that's the only wine they drink that's their favorite wine it could be that of course that's a great wine 
or maybe they just have only had that versus someone who goes wine tasting all the time and, and tries dozens of different wines they um just have a breadth of experience and so it kind of sounds like you, you've lived in the same way of, of trying many different things to experience different flavors of life yeah it's just I feel the more you experience, you know, it makes you as a person, you know, being able to be able to handle more things in different ways, um, being able to see things from other people's views as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's always that clash from front of house to back of house. And it's a, I, I personally kind of see it as like, I've seen both back of house and front of house. So I kind of feel like I kind of can see things on a different level where other people are like servers are like, well, why isn't my food up? You know, it's like, well, you know, there's, 45 tickets hanging on the board right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're in line, you know, just, it'll, it'll come, you know? So, yeah. So is your time spent now both on the floor and an admin or one more than the other? Yeah. So there's a couple nights. Um, I mean, uh, it's weird. So we have these cool hybrid positions, um, as managers and we, we bartend a couple nights of the week. So we're on the floor, um, actually, you know, interacting with customers, uh, and then we do uh, what we call like admin manager days, mm -hmm. and we're actually then managing, um, you know, the entire restaurant as well as doing admin stuff the other days. Is there anything that you've learned working at Pike that has been a new source of growth that you weren't expecting? Um, yeah, the whole reason I went to Pike really is to learn, you know, on my my career path, I guess, it's, it's say, is uh, to learn more about beer and spirits. Um, and that's, and I didn't know beer was, I know I knew there was beer, I knew I, beer was big, I didn't know beer was that big. Mm -hmm. um, and the craft beer movement from what I, you know, seeing and hearing is moving more towards almost the wine, the way wine is. Like people are sourcing their hops and their malts and everything down to like, um, you know, farm sites. Mm. Um, and it's like becoming like, you know, there's like, Pretty soon, I'm sure there'll be like AVAs, you know, as far as like Yakima, Ali, Yakima, Yakima Valley AVA hops, right? Sure. I mean, that's huge. So, and it's, and then yeah. they ship hops all over the world. Um, you know, and you have like certain, like certain things already, you know, like protected names, like, you know, Trappist, Monk's Trappist beer, you know, it comes from certain, you know, regions, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, and just the, just beer in general is huge, vast, or was a huge, vast unknown for me. And it's kind of cool to explore that and, and broaden my spectrum. Absolutely. You know, beer is something that I think is this, this whole other area that um, could take years to, to master, and I think it would be fun to go down the Cicerone path. Mm -hmm. Have you considered that, too? Yeah, I've done done the level one for that already. Um, and we're, we're kind of pull, pulling together a team at Pike right now that want to do, you know, are really motivated and want to do that level two. Yeah. Because it's, it, it's crazy. And level two is substantially up there up there and level one it's like it's like anyone can go and take it like level one the the, the sommelier you know the intro sommelier you still have to know a significant amount of knowledge going into that right you know to get get a high score sure. get that passing score um, prepare you for level two level one's and certified beer server people study for like two or three days and they go take this test sure yeah you know, and it's to know you know your it's a base level what are your basic beer styles you know what are the flavor profiles Okay, if a tap line tastes like butter, what's wrong with it? You know, like, and so it's, there's, you know, there's, there's the very baseline stuff for that. Um, but level two is, and it's, it's wine tasting beers. It's, it's up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How many levels are there with that 
program. It's actually extremely similar to the uh, the SOM route. There's four. Oh, right? there's four. Yeah, and it's like they both have their intro. They both have their certified where you can call yourself, you know, sommelier or a cicerone. Sure. Then you have your advanced, and then you have your master of each. Oh, awesome. So it's, yeah, very, very, very similar parallel. There's a, another bar here in Seattle called No Anchor. Mm-hmm. You familiar with that one? Yeah. Yeah, and their owners uh, are Chris and Anu Elford, and Chris is a certified cicerone, I think. And I would love to, why not, go right? down that path. It'd right? be cool. It'd be fun. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. For, For sure. sure. Yeah. It'd be For fun. sure. Well, another thing I know about you is that you're a bit of an entrepreneur and have done um, a number of things in that realm, one of which was uh, the beef company. What <laughs> yeah. can you tell me about that? Um. I don't want to too far into details with it, but uh, yeah, and we just, it was, it was a cool company that we, you know, that, that was created uh, about sourcing local sustainable beef out of Washington. Uh, it started out with, you know, two guys um, buying a cow, <laughs> you know, just buying a cow and they, yeah. they you know, they, they found a butcher that would break it down for them and pack it um, and, and they went to farmer's markets and sold it, you know, like. Like hand selling, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to hand sell beef, you know, <laughs> at a farmer's market. Yeah. Of you know that high quality and that price point they were trying to go for. Um, so and eventually these 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 two guys that started were uh, tech people, and, mm-hmm. and they quickly created a website. And it was based about um, crowdfunding. Um, they took the same exact you know model as crowdfunding and put it with beef, like um, to so for like say there's a cow and they break it up into fifty shares, um, and there are different cuts of beef in each of those shares. You have to then go get 50 friends or, you know, you have to get five friends and the per- they each have to get two friends and everyone has to come together to buy that cow before anyone gets the beef. Mm-hmm. So it's a really cool, interesting business model that's really taken off. Um, they, they just, like, they, like the last, last two months, they've expanded to a national level now. Um, yeah, and it's just a really cool concept. What was your involvement in, were you an investor with them? No, I did mostly uh, um, operate, I did basically created their operations for them. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, um, are you doing any work with them anymore? Or no, not really. And I still stay in contact with them as, as friends um, and colleagues. But no, I, I've I kind of parted ways with them. Well, I think that's a great idea that I would love to do is kind of plant the seeds and, and build the foundation for a company and and make it into a thing and then you know get a, a, a somebody else to run it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and um, get some some profit from it, or, or get a benefit from it, but to just plant a seed and, and watch it bloom somewhere. Yeah, I think that's a super cool idea. That's pretty cool. Um, so I think you and I share a, a spirit for entrepreneurship, and um, there's a lot of good ideas to be had. So. Agreed. Well, and you have your uh, the new the wine club, right? The wine group you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, wine archive. Wine. Yeah, so that is. That's exciting. Um, I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the website up. Cool. Um, vinearchive.com. And it's going to be a monthly offer of 12 wines that I've chosen from around the world. And each set of 12 wines will include whites, reds, sparkling, dessert, uh, fortified, and rosé um, selections from my favorite producers. So it's, it's kind of Nick's Picks. Cool. <laughs> I like that. That's a good, yeah. good tagline. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So there'll be the, the custom monthly offer, which is my picks, and then 
Um, in addition to that, there will be the option to get like a six or 12 pack of one style. So all reds, all whites, all sparkling, or a six or 12 pack tour of a country. So tour of Italy, tour of France, and it'll be essentially a comprehensive look at the styles um, that would come from any of those regions. So tour of France, tour of Italy, tour of Spain and Portugal, um, tour of the Ottoman Empire, which is (laughs) basically Hungary, Eastern Europe, Greece, all in that area. And then United States would be a pack um, and Southern Hemisphere would be a pack. Cool. So Australia, New Zealand, Argentina, Chile, South Africa. Awesome. And so all those are going to be available um, on the website? Yeah. For monthly, or are you going to pick, like, you know, this month we're doing the Southern Hemisphere pack and the all red, all white pack? So we're going to roll it out um, a little bit at a time. So the the mixed pack will be right away, and then we'll introduce, like, the red and white packs. will be, like, available anytime. Okay. Kind of thing. So, um you know, it's it's been one of these things that's largely like a concept in my imagination, and now it's becoming real. So it's uh, it's exciting to see it come alive. It's always exciting to see you know the the Lulu baby you know come to fruition. Exactly, you know, seeing seeing mm-hmm. your your project you've worked so long on you know, on paper, right? And then it's like, wow, one day you w- wake up and like, there's a website ready, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's there. business cards printed, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> what what's happening? <laughs> There's, there's wine in cases and people are buying it. Like, yeah, you know, like, it's kind of it's, surreal. Yeah, it's really cool. And then, you know, finally you see it take off and grow and grow. And it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Well, it's as, exciting. As, as someone like yourself who's experienced in, in starting projects like this, I will be calling on you for advice and hopefully collaboration and, and exchange some good ideas. Sure. Um, Whatever you need. I thought it's uh, been really cool to see your, your personal wine collection um have you been building that for a few years yeah so it's uh when you uh moved to napa when i when i moved to napa you know i was like oh you know at culinary school cia was very intensive it was uh um it was like five days a week for nine hours a day it was like a full-time job going to school though and we uh you know we got two days off and we got you know evenings afternoons off so we'd always get a little group together and go down to the wineries and try different things you know, cause it was just so convenient right there in Napa, um, in the whole Valley. And, uh, you know, just like, Oh, you know, this is delicious. I'll take two bottles of this. I'll take a bottle of this. And it finally was like, came home one day and I was like, okay, I have like 150 bottles of wine. And I didn't realize, you know, it's like, I didn't realize I was collecting that much. You know, it's just, it just added <laughs> up and I'm like, okay, well, we need to start drinking some of this. Yeah. But then it was like, I got hooked on going out and like tasting wine, just having fun with friends. It's like, oh, this wine's really good. You know, it rem- makes me remember a good memory. So like, oh, let's, let's buy a six pack of this and I'll just put it down. And that's really when I just got, you know, it was 20, 23 when I really started, I would say, you know, 22, I would say really, when I really started collecting wine. And then, you know, now it's just, I've been bitten by the wine bug and it hasn't stopped. So <laughs> <laughs> it just hasn't stopped. You and me both. No, yeah. You and me both. That's, I mean, we, I think we both have a, pretty early start in wine collecting yeah that's not <laughs> super common for folks in their in their 20s but here let me pour you some of this uh, bouguet mondeuse excellent native grape to the savoie region and it just has a ton of color um, 
tannin, nice dark fruit. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Malbec, but with a bit more of a mineral edge. Okay. More of a tart fruit than um, Malbec, which is often has a, like a baked fruit quality. That's good. It's just mostly due to the alpine climate and the mm -hmm. extreme diurnal change up there. Yep, it's only 12% alcohol, so definitely has this nice contrast between um, aggressive texture but uh, lightness in in character with with body and, and um, that light alcohol makes it a great daytime wine. Yeah, that has some good tannin though. It's just, it surprised me. Yeah, yeah, it's good. What are some of your prized wines that you're saving for, you know, some really special day in your collection? Yeah, or, that's or, tough. Or what um, you would want to get. All right, well, I, get, I mean, a couple bottles that I'm really holding on to. I have a couple of um, 2000 Lafitte Rothschild I'm holding on to. Um, mm -hmm. I have a couple of 2000 2002 uh, um, Montons, um, 2002 Latour. I've just recently, in the last probably two months, I've started collecting some of these older burgundies as I find them at auction or, you know, mm. no people are getting rid of them. Um, or sorry, Bordeaux, not burgundies. Um, well, you, but, but you've but been getting into burgundy some burgundies too. too. Yeah, I've been <laughs> pulling some burgundies. I got an 02 and an 03 uh, Grand Duchies, though, um, DRC the other day. I'm waiting to get those shipped up to me eventually. Good old wine bid. Yeah, right. Tell you what. Shout out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for taking my paychecks. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad I turned you on to that, but also <laughs> yeah. a little bit like, ooh, yeah. I've unleashed the dragon. You have, you have. Amanda's so happy. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, and we're, um, we're going to France uh, next month, and we're going to Champagne and Burgundy, so I'm hoping to, hoping to bring back some gems from there as well. I Let's bet see. you will. Yeah, we'll see what we can come up with. I'll be in France in June, okay. and won't won't be in Burgundy, but I'll stop by Loire and Bordeaux on my way to Spain, and I want to like find just tucked away wine shops that have crazy awesome stuff, and just try to pick up like a case of wine during my journey and ship it home and. Is that possible? Can you ship a case of wine home? You can actually. Sh it's crazy what you can actually bring home. Um, it's actually better if you either check it with you and just bring it in. Mm -hmm. um, and you can bring. Like, there's no technical cutoff, but like if you, it depends on how like what the custom agent feels that day. You know how nice they're feeling. Uh, and I brought like we just got back from Italy about a, about a month ago now, and I brought back about two and a half cases with me. Um, really? Yeah, and it, it's, they say as long as it's there for personal consumption. Um, but you know, I've heard I've been reading articles on this, and people brought back, you know, are shipped back, you know, 30, 40 cases, and they don't have to pay taxes because they can prove that it's for personal cellaring because they had a, a seller or a bar, you know, of substantial size. Like, well, yeah. see, it just adds to it. Um, you know, whether that's true or not, you know, I'm not the government official. I'm not gonna, you know, but yeah, and I, I, I brought back. I plan to bring back a couple of cases of wine every time I go. Yeah, and they have no problem. You just you declare it. with you. Check it. Yeah. Okay. They have a wine suitcase um, called a uh, Van Vindegaard. Um, but yeah. Does that have like the foam inserts? Yeah. yeah, you can borrow it if you want. Yeah. Okay. Totally, yeah. It's cool. You just stick them right in there and <laughs> away it goes. It locks, has a TSA lock built in. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing product. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> oh, so that's a lock that TSA can open? Yeah, so it locks like no one else can, but it has like the TSA like master key. Master so key. So they can still open it, get into it if they need to search it. Without like breaking the. Yeah. Yeah. 
I find that every time I check a bag, it has one of those papers in it that T- TSA searched. <laughs> what like, are you checking? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Save that question for another time. No, <laughs> we'll do that off the record. Yeah, no, yeah, but uh, um, yeah, and I get those often too. I, I wonder how random random is anymore, right? You know, it's like yeah. everyone's okay. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah. Well, it's uh, weird because when I shipped that back, they didn't. They didn't open that at all. They didn't check it. And at least they didn't say they checked it. But so, how did you, when you were in Europe in Italy, were you just walking around with the wine the whole time? Um, and I uh, had a backpack with me. And Amanda had a backpack, so and we just okay. um, we just like we put like when we bought it, we put it in our backpack, you know, for, during the day, go do whatever, go back to the hotel and drop it off. And drop it off, and then just put it in the wine suitcase right then. Boom, boom. You got a system. Yeah. Efficiency. Um, yeah, no, this is good. Yeah, that's, like you were saying, that's what we did in Italy is we just found some really hole-in-the-wall, tucked-away wine shops. And I walked in, and it was funny. We met this family um, in Florence that had a little wine shop. Um, the guy was from Florence. The lady was from New Jersey. They met in New Jersey, got married, moved back to Florence, and opened this wine shop. Oh no way! And you know, we, we walk in, they're like, you know, um, you know, speaking Italian. We're kind of speaking broken Italian back to them, yeah. you know. And then they're like, "Oh, you guys speak English?" And I was like, "In a New Jersey accent." I was like, "What?" what? <laughs> it threw me off. So excuse me. Yeah, I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they uh, they were really cool. We I still stay in touch with them. They they're gonna ship me some, you know, I want to get some Gaia's and stuff because. Prices over there are so astronomically low compared to America. I mean, you can get, you know, vintage or aged Gaia's, you know, of all varieties for 100 to $180 a bottle. Um, whereas, like, I was at Total Wine the other day. And I see the same stuff for, like, 380 Yeah. But when you look at it and, and, and you know, do your wine search and you look at the average price, it's, it's weird because Total Wine isn't the highest price on there by any means oh, either, no. right? So it's like, it's, yeah. But just to see the inflation, like a TN- full bottle of Tianellos, uh, Tianellos are like 50 bucks over there. Wow. You know, yeah. And, they, and you walk into any wine store and they're just like, they have a library of them on the shelf. It's not like hard to find them. It's just. Yeah. But, you know, finding like Opus One would be like $400, $450 on a shelf. So it was yeah, kind of like reverse. The, the, the inverse. Yeah. Well, and you think about the import system, uh, there's margin being built in in all these layers yeah so the importer has margin distributor has margin retailer or restaurant has their margin so it makes sense that um, plus all your you know shipping costs it, it adds up yeah yeah right easy but uh yeah i really want to start focusing on uh on italy i think for the next two or three months in my in my class my cellar in your cellar yeah i don't have it i don't have a lot in there from italy I love Italian wine. My my favorite regions are Rhone and Piedmont, mm-hmm. and that's not implying any sort of uh, and and white Burgundy and Champagne. <laughs> and the list keeps going. And the list keeps going. And <laughs> yeah, but I say my favorite whites or would be Burgundy. My favorite reds would be Piedmont. Mm-hmm. Um, just. I think they're they're surreal. Yeah. I'm excited to try some stuff at the actual domain over there in Burgundy. See, you know, like I've always I've always oh, personally think you know it's like trying wine at the domain 
is always the best way. And it's like, yeah, there's, yeah. And you said it numerous times, so it just doesn't affect the wine and it's, yeah, it's like, it's pure and it's whole right there. I want to see a cellar, like a European cellar with the mold. With the mold growing? With the mold. I've never seen it. (laughs) Me either. (laughs) Yeah. The black cellar mold. Like in Psalm 2. Yeah. Yeah. He's like like petting it and stuff. Yeah. Little mushrooms on the bottle, the corks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Totally. I wonder if I'll see that. I know for sure we're seeing some cellars in Champagne. Um, I think we're going to Clos de Bougeau in Burgundy. So, wow. But I think that's going to be more... Are you making appointments to taste? Is that how it works? Um, we've I've hired a uh, basically like a, a consultant, like a tour consultant mm-hmm. over there. Um, we just said, hey, these are the places we want to go to. Um let me know. Get, like us, get, us, up, get us in. Yeah, yeah. And we we pay him a percentage, and he drives us all around. You know. To, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So where do you find a person like that? I just I just, just Google them. I Google you know like, you know, it's on the Bourgogne um, tourism site as well. They have a few okay. like you know two people, but I just Googled it and I was like, hey, you know, how do I, like, um, trip advisors? Like, how do I get around Burgundy? You know, and tasting wines and yeah. not driving and like, oh, there's like these ten people. Contact them and I reached out to all of them. And they all came back with different prices and. Found the guy that worked out, you know, for what he wanted, and then that was it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's be cool. I'll look into that. Yeah, they do it, and they do it all over. Um, the guy we selected, I know, does it all over France. So really, yeah, when you go to Burgundy or you know wherever, yeah, Loire or something. Yeah, check it out. Because I mean, it wasn't astronomically priced. It was actually like it, it made more sense to do that than to like rent a car. You know, pay for the you know, pay car the car insurance, whatever, pay okay. the gas, and you know, finding parking. It's just like takes the stress out of it. Also, you know, driving in a foreign country, and as fun as that sounds, I'm like, eh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for for an extra say hundred dollars, I could have this guy drive us around and make all the appointments and everything. I'm like, yeah, we'll just go with that. <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't bad. I'm excited for the Loire to see that on my trip. I really want to go to Sauvignon. And try to get an appointment with with Nicolas Jolie. Okay. Um, crazy, intense. Chenin Blanc that is it tastes like mushrooms and dried, like lemon peel and super weird. Hmm. Um, and then in Bordeaux, I've got uh, kind of a semi appointment set up with Chateau Pop Clément. Okay. So they're they're in Groff. Um, it's, it's like there's not going to be enough time to do everything. You know, it's, that's the only sad thing. Yes, I, I feel you on that. It's we're only in we're in France. We're there for like seven, eight days, eight days I think. So we're doing like three Champagne, three Burgundy, and I'm like trying to figure out like yeah, never enough time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you fly direct to get over there? Mm-hmm. Uh, flying, flying straight to Paris. Okay. Um, um, Delta? Uh, uh, Air France. Air France. It might be operated by Delta or somebody, but yeah, it's, it's Air France. It's who we actually got the tickets through. Yeah, I think direct flights are where it's at. Yeah. I don't I don't like doing the whole layover thing. So, and it, it wasn't bad. When we went to Italy, it wasn't bad. We flew direct from Seattle to Germany, Frankfurt. And it was... It, we how it worked out was actually nice is that we only had like an hour and a half layover mm-hmm. but by the time you actually got to the next terminal it was like you had just enough time to use the restroom maybe grab a snack and a drink or something and, and, and then get on the next flight but like yeah long layovers yeah that 
Grab a pizza. Exactly. No, we were in Frankfurt. We grabbed uh, we grabbed wieners and uh, grabbed wieners and beer. You know, what in Germany do as the German? <laughs> that... In the Madrid airport, I remember they instead of ketchup and uh, mustard, they had balsamic vinegar and olive oil as in little condiment packets. That's cool. Was, <laughs> hilarious. That's funny. Uh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long are you going to be in uh, in France and Spain? So it'll be t- two and a half weeks total. It's actually going to be um, France, so doing Loire and Bordeaux. Might even pass through Cognac. And then uh, Spain, so Basque region, um, Castilla, Leon, and then into Portugal, Douro, Lisbon. And then back into Spain, Sherry, and then Canary Islands, Morocco, and then back to Paris. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a busy trip. <laughs> Moving. Yeah, I'm actually For traveling sure. with my mom, and we <laughs> have done a bunch of trips together before, but never Europe. And she's never been to any of these places. So. Oh, that'd be fun. It should be rad, but it's like a different city every day. Well, that'd be cool. I'll keep you on your toes. Right? Yeah. That'd be, that'd be yeah. good. I, it's not... I don't like to do the type of trip Mayport anymore. Oh yeah. Uh, where it's like go and, and sit at the resort for a week and like tan on the sun. So that's so boring to me. Yeah. Let's like see as much as possible in a short amount of time. Yeah. There's definitely times where I, I want to take those trips though and like personally I'm just like, all right, I just need to go sit and, you know, chill for a couple of days. But yeah. But no, I, I, I get restless and even then, it's like a day, one full day of beach for me. I was like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man. There's, I mean, and there's so much to see. I would love to go to Germany and do like a beer tour and a wine tour of Germany. Or Austria, do one tour of Austria. Beer tour of Belgium. That would be fun. Go back to Japan, do a sake tour. That'd be really cool. Speaking so- of sake, we're actually doing a sake field trip tomorrow oh fun there's a brewery on finney ridge around the corner called cedar river brewing cool you familiar yeah we're i actually went to a sake tasting at the japanese consulate's house no Uh, way yeah what uh yeah i hung out but paul was there you know from uh rn oh crazy but but yeah we were there um as they're tasting their sakes and cedar river was there and we were talking to him and we're gonna carry them a pike so yeah they're very very good sakes they're good that's super rad yeah what time is that tomorrow? We're going to do lunch at 11, and then mm. the tour after that, and then drive downtown and check out Sake Nomi. Oh, cool. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. I yeah. didn't know about it, but it's like a sake retail and bar. Mm-hmm. So they, like, they, they took a, yeah, like tastings, and they think they do a couple small plates. Awesome. But it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was a huge, huge sake selection. I didn't realize sake was so big in Seattle, but it's, you know, it makes sense because we have the, you know, the Asian influence here. Um, yeah, it's, it's an easy stopover for Japanese travelers. Uh, I took a trip to Japan three years ago, and when I travel, I often use couchsurfing. Mm-hmm. So staying with strangers from the internet in their homes. <laughs> but it's great to, to stay with locals and meet them. And I had three different unrelated people, but from that trip, come from Japan and stay with me. So that was super cool. Oh, stay here? 
in my place with me. That's cool. Yeah. That's really so cool. So we did a full exchange. Uh, and I love Japan. I want to go back. I want to live the type of life where I can take a trip of some kind every month. And I typically take a small trip like to Portland or whatever. Mm-hmm. But to do like an international trip twice a year. Yeah. It'd be great. Oh, that's cool. That's the dream. That's a good goal. Yeah. It's definitely obtainable, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, aren't there people for their work who are traveling internationally all the time? Yeah, and when I worked for Nintendo, I was traveling mostly. It was mostly domestic, but I was, yeah. Once a month, I was gone for a week, usually. Gone for a week. I did a 10-month marketing tour once, so I was gone for 10 months straight. And we basically got in SUVs and drove around the country and did stop at various cities and built this whole elaborate, you know, setup of, like, you know, gaming centers and, like, retail centers inside, like, huge malls or huge, like, shopping plazas or, you know, downtown. Um, we took over downtown Seattle for one time. It was, like, like a Pacific place and, um, you know, but it was, it was, yeah, it was crazy. We just drove around for 10 months with a group of group of people and we all got really close and, you know, had some yeah. fun times. I bet you did. Yeah. That seems like a different, whole different life, huh? Like, Living out of your suitcase, it got old after a while, and it was it was fun for the first two and a half months, you know, seeing all, <laughs> seeing all you know, it was really cool to see actually all the country, um, you know, driving right because everyone's like, let's just fly there, let's get there fast. But like, there's something to be said for actually driving, you know, across the country and like, okay, I saw the Red Rocks, I saw the plains, I saw you know a horrible blizzard that you know we were trapped in on the side of the road for seven ten hours, you know, like I've, sure, I mean, seeing all this stuff going over there, it was really cool. It's really cool. Seeing that you know the the arch in St. Louis, um, mm-hmm. you know, just stuff I, I never probably would have seen unless I drove around for so so much. It's all about perspective. Yeah. It's like we could look at Pike Place Market from the perspective that we do when we're visiting, or from the perspective of the fish that gets brought in, yeah. or the perspective of the seagull that flies over, or the perspective of the spider who's looking up and. No. <laughs> yeah, totally. <Yeah. laughs> it's like you can see one situation from a thousand different angles. Yeah. So I think traveling and having that like on the ground experience is great. I've actually been in all 50 states and oh, cool. did that through a lot of boat trips. So it's okay. like what you're talking about. Uh, not 10 months at a time, <laughs> but um, just seeing seeing the landscape and noticing that a lot of things are the same across the country. Mm-hmm. Like you'll, you'll pass through towns and they all kind of look like Linwood with like car dealerships <laughs> yeah. and fast food. And... <laughs> right. <laughs> but then there's other places that are totally unique and, and unlike anywhere else. Yeah. That's cool. So what, what wine regions have you uh, visited? None in Europe. Um, so mostly all domestic Washington um, I'll name the AVAs how about that okay <laughs> so Walla Walla Rocks and Milton Freewater Columbia Valley Yakima Valley Columbia Gorge Red Mountain I think that's it Oregon Willamette Valley I've done Dundee Hills Ribbon Ridge Ala Amity and Yamhill Carlton have not done Shahala Mountain or McMinnville. McMinnville's yet. fun. 
Yeah. I've been to the town, but not to like the the wineries and stuff. The wineries. And then I'd like to go to the Rogue Valley. I've Mm. I've been before, but um, not to see the the wine region. So I'd like to do that. And then in California, I've seen Sonoma, Napa, and the Central Coast. I think it'd be super cool to see like Temecula. It's down south, Mm -hmm. like down by San Diego. And uh, yeah, hopefully see every West Coast AVA before the the Master Sommelier exam in July. Yeah. So you, uh, how you feeling for that? <laughs> feeling good. Yeah. So that'll be the theory exam, and I'm in a couple study groups. Three. I'm in three theory groups and eight tasting groups. So I don't really need to focus on tasting that much. Um, I think theory is it's a lot more of a priority right now. But it's, it's just a daily thing, man, chipping away <laughs> at it. It's like being a sculptor and carving a, a marble statue. It's just one one strike of the mallet at a time. Okay. You know? Sounds exciting. Getting it polished. So. And you're going to do tasting by following year is the plan? If I pass theory this year, then they'll have me do tasting and service in September. Oh, in September of this year? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's too... Um, different events for okay. the exam. So then the, you have to pass theory first and then you're allowed to move on to tasting and service. And the reason they do that is for a long time it was combined and folks were passing tasting service but missing theory consistently. Mm-hmm. So they just make it a requirement to pass theory first and then that's you're kind of over the hump at that point of what some consider the hardest part of the exam. I, I think it's everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses. And for me, I think service, that would be the most challenging because it's harder to study for service. Yeah. It's more of an instinct thing. Yeah. You have to be able to act quick on, quick on your feet and, quick you know, have, have that tool belt, you know, of, the, of weapons, I guess you can pull out, so to speak. Right. And for sure, you know, just having, having the, it really, service to me comes down to just a lot of experience um you know and, and handling different situations you know like even like a reference to psalm you know mm-hmm. the guys want the rosé ice cold right you yeah. know <laughs> like you know there's, there's certain ways to cool winds down really quick um but if you don't know that it's like uh you know you're like what do you mean yeah sorry sir you know it's like i put it in the freezer for you don't be like yeah you know i mean <laughs> not what you do but yeah there's definitely no substitute for experience yeah which i think you have a uh, exponential amount of you know if you're given resume and everything so i think you'll be great at that yeah well we shall see and i'm not super concerned about passing on my first time but i'm more focused on just doing something really hard just doing it like pushing myself towards it and doing my best and and i will pass when it's time for me to pass it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a zen thing of like i'm not there to fight for the pass because it'll come when the time is right it'll just happen when it yeah it's it's kind of like um like in science class when you put a certain chemical with another chemical and they like change colors mm-hmm. they don't have to really the chemicals don't aren't sentient <laughs> they don't think about it yeah. they just do it yeah <laughs> it just happens yeah right so for me when i have cultivated my 
my knowledge to the point of mastery, then I'll just go in there and pass the test and I won't have to think about it. Yeah. I'll have to think about it, but I won't have to really force it. Mm-hmm. Drink non-forcing. Yeah. It'll, it'll be good to, you know, I, I, I think you're going to pass the time, but if you don't, you know, it's, it's good to see, uh, you know, what kind of questions they do ask, right? And how far they dig. And to me, I find that information almost invaluable. It would be like, well, okay, this is what I should study for. You know, maybe I was studying, you know, not quite in the right direction or something. Um, and I found myself doing that often, you know, even with, with written tests. Like, you know, I get them, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's not what they meant. You know, I was studying for this, you know, and it's, and it's, uh, you know, they, they asked, you know, what's the ABV, you know, minimums or maximums for all these wines. And I was studying for, you know, what's the, you know, hectoliters per hectare, yeah, right? right. <laughs> so it's, and it's, if, if, and, you know, I'm sure that's, it's, it's all random, but still, and it's like, to me, I, I would find that information, you know, invaluable to know how deep they go and in what ways. And there's no way of knowing what's going to be exactly on the exam. Yeah. So it has to be of just everything. Total, <laughs> totally. But I want to show you something, and it's, yeah. it's going to be hard to um, convey this over audio, but we'll do it anyways, is in making a map of Europe. And I'm going to describe it um, in such a way that I think will translate. Um, but I realized that, like, okay, I understand that countries have wine regions inside of them. But I often look at a map of a country, and it's like a severed limb. It's not attached to the rest of, of the unit. So what about Europe as a whole? And so I thought of, okay, what if we take a map of Europe and translate it into more of a, a mathematical diagram um, where there are going to be three rows horizontally and five columns, so 15 total. And we start in the center, working from left to right. And on left is France, FR, and then Switzerland is abbreviated CH. CH. Then Austria, AT. Hungary, HU. And Romania, we'll just go RO. So you have this, it's essentially from reading from left to right, France, Switzerland, Austria, Hungary, Romania, in a row. And then parallel to that, just above, we'll put Belgium, Germany, Czech Republic, Slovakia, and Ukraine. So now there's two rows. Top row starts with Belgium, second row starts with France, and then the third row will be Spain, Italy, Slovenia, then CBS, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and Serbia, I'll just put those as a group, and then Bulgaria. So of these 15, the ones that are most important for wine, I'll underline Germany, France, Switzerland, Austria, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Slovenia, Italy, and Spain. So that's the top 10, basically. 
And of course, there's wine made in Croatia and Slovakia. Um, and it's worth studying, but as far as having priority. So now we have this grid of sorts. And what I'm going to do is connect the grid with vertical dashes. So there's a dash between Ukraine, Romania, Romania, Bulgaria, Slovakia, Hungary, Hungary, CDS, Czech, Austria, Austria, Slovenia, Germany, Switzerland, Switzerland, Italy, Belgium, France, France, Spain. And that suggests a north-south border, that these are connected by a border. Now I'm going to do a horizontal dash. Belgium, Germany, Germany, Czech, Czech, Slovakia, Slovakia, Ukraine, France, Switzerland, Switzerland, Austria, Austria, Hungary, Hungary, Romania, CBS, Bulgaria, Slovenia, CBS, Italy, Slovenia, and then I'm going to leave this one blank because Spain and Italy have a body of water in between them. So now we're almost done. And the hard part comes in the diagonal borders. <laughs> but it's really not that hard because all you need to know is that there's a diamond and four dashes at an angle. So the diamond shape will appear if we do France, Germany, Germany, Austria, Austria, Italy, Italy, France. Hmm. And then this pattern emerges. We go Austria, Slovakia, Hungary, Ukraine, Slovenia, Hungary, CBS, Romania. So that means that France shares a border with Spain, Italy, Switzerland, Germany, Belgium. Five countries. Switzerland, we just count the dashes, is four countries. Austria, Germany, France, Italy. Austria is seven. Hungary, Slovakia, Czech, Germany, Switzerland, Italy, Slovenia. So Austria is really in the middle, as is Hungary with six. Slovakia, Austria, Slovenia, CBS, Romania, Ukraine. So in this way, um, we can really visualize how the countries are set up. And now I will kind of make another layer of this diagram with instead of dashes, I'll do circular shapes. So let's make kind of an oval around Switzerland. And then we'll have these ovals attached to Switzerland. So there's now an oval around France that touches Switzerland. And there's an oval around Austria that touches Switzerland. Hungary touches Austria with this oval and then Romania touches Hungary. And now we go like that. And now there's an oval around Germany with borders on France, Switzerland, and Austria. And a border around Italy with France, Switzerland, and Austria. And then Spain comes off like this with Portugal in the corner. And then Belgium touches like that. 
And then from there, it's actually quite straightforward. We just go like that, that, and that. So I've, I've made some boxes around Slovenia, CDS, and Bulgaria, where now Slovenia touches Italy, Austria, Hungary. CDS is Slovenia, Hungary, Romania, and then Bulgaria is CDS, Romania. And then I'll do a similar thing here. So Hungary, Austria, and so now Czech touches Austria, Germany, Slovakia touches Austria, Hungary, boom, boom. And we can see that the borders that we established before are still in place. And then here's a vertical, two, three, four, the vertical borders here and now here's the diamond two three four and then here is so it's it looks a little bit convoluted but um, that's that's how it works yeah no that's a really really cool way to remember it and I haven't seen that before so that's a great learning technique, I think, um, to kind of put France into a, like you said, a grid system or chart system, um, you know, instead of trying to memorize borders and everything, you know, it's like they're just staring at maps. Um, I guess this is really cool. It's, yeah, very helpful. Well, I think the issue with maps oftentimes is that the intricacies of the actual borders make things more confusing. And so that if, if you create these bubbles instead of actual... Like, that doesn't look like Italy at all. It looks like a blob. Uh, but what it illustrates is relation, relational points where we, we know where Italy is in re relation to these other countries. And so if I then bring up an actual map of Europe with the borders on there, you can extrapolate and know what's next to what. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Definitely put that one in my arsenal. That's a, that's a cool. <laughs> I just had a, a moment cool. of inspiration here. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, what's a way that you're hoping to, to grow in the next, let's say, six months? Um, yeah, I just want to prepare for my level three, really. Um, and, uh, in theory and tasting. Um, and, uh, yeah. Let's get you there. A lot of studying. Yeah, and this is a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's always a it's really it's funny it's an epiphany the other day it's like it was a while ago but you know you know it's the more you learn the less you know and i know that's an, <laughs> i know that's an old saying but it's like it really hit home when i was like reading this book on france and i'm like i know like nothing but like when you <laughs> when you talk to people that aren't in the wine industry it's like anything sounds like you know like you, you feel like you know a lot more than you do and then you like when you start studying you know it's like oh great <laughs> you know but it's I always feel so embarrassed when I'm at an event or speaking or something and what I'm saying feels so basic, but what's being perceived by the crowd feels so like advanced mm -hmm. where, where I feel like, well, 
I know this, but in my mind, I know that I'm just scratching the surface. And and to someone on the receiving end, perhaps it's their first time learning about this wine region, and they're like, "What is he talking about?" Yeah, you know. So I took a class down at uh, uh, with Richard down at uh, Wine Outlet. Oh yeah, and it was just it was a Burgundy class, and they were tasting a bunch of Grand Crus. I was like, "Oh, this will be fun. I'll go try some wine." And, um, so I went down there and uh, took this, and and you know, ninety percent of the people were like, "What you're saying?" They were like. They didn't know that Pinot and Chard and, you know, a little Alagote, you know, were like these, uh, you know, the grape varieties in, in Burgundy. They were like, right. it's red wine and it's white wine, <laughs> you know? And when I go to the, the store, there's, you know, Apple era, you know, uh, AOCs on their vineyards, on the, you know, their, you know, producers on the labels, not what the grape is. Totally. And so he was just going into depth and some of these people's faces were like, you know, just shocked, right? You know, jaw dropping. And then I was like, oh, wow, it's, you know. But he, but he, you know, like he, for, for me, it was, and there were a couple of that were more, a little more experienced. It was, it was very, very intro, and we were there to kind of, you know, taste the wines. It's always good to reinforce the information, but you know, it was a really fun class, so. It's kind of fun to, to go into other people's worlds. Like, my mom is a nurse, and if she talks, starts talking about, like, a medication, I have, like, no idea right. what she's talking <laughs> about, or a disease. I'm like, what? Because I, yeah, I have no experience in that. So that would probably be the feeling for someone who doesn't know about wine being over their head that's a good way to look at it yeah, yeah. that makes sense yeah. so i think it's good for us to try new things like try something for the first time every week like when was the last time you tried something for the first time and it challenged you like do that every week yeah something unrelated to beverage like I've never been. Uh, I've never been to a dive class. Okay. Like scuba diving, that would be. That'd, that'd be, be fun. fun. Or. You know, crazy kind of yoga, like acro yoga. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like a crazy activity, but. There's actually this trapeze place downtown Seattle. I think it would be fun to go get a group together and go do it sometime. Yeah. Uh, like indoor, it's like indoor trapeze. Oh, it'd be cool. But yeah, it's, it'd be fun. Something I want to do more of is like public speaking. Okay. To big crowds. Oh, really? Yeah, to like a thousand people or something. Like, tell a story to a thousand people. Just because if if you can get up on stage and present like that, the pressure of an exam becomes... Minuscule. Like tiny. Yeah. yeah. Or have like a, a really intense sit-down, like mock interrogation from a detective or something like <laughs> like like, like the one-on-one you know yeah there's a light in your eyes you know <laughs> yeah or even if it's not like um aggressive like that something where you know being being in conversation with someone who like a celebrity or something of like oh you might be intimidated mm-hmm. you know like who would intimidate you to to sit down with Oh, that's tough. Um, I think yeah, like sitting down with anybody like high like any like MS. I've sat down with a couple of them, but like sitting down with MS yeah. is is intimidating to me. I'm just like you know, they're like these all knowing. Anybody that's like that they're perceived as like these all knowing you know like gods Yodas. of wine. Yeah, like Yodas. And it's like, <laughs> but when you really talk to them, they're just like, you want to go get a beer? I'm kind of you know, I'm tired of t- tasting wine today. Let's go get some yeah. beer. You know, like go get a cocktail. You know, and you sit there and you just chat, and then like. You know, a couple cocktails, and you're having a good time. You're having fun, and it's, you realize, okay, they're just people. They want to be treated like people. 
but you know it's like when you first meet them and you're like talking about wine you're like okay you know <laughs> cross my cross my t's and dot my eyes before i say yeah. anything you know <laughs> well and, and they put their socks on one at a time too yeah you know yeah. <laughs> I would assume so. <laughs> yeah, those don't magically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ty, thank you so much for uh, sitting down and chatting. I, you know, just really enjoyed getting to know you and look forward to um, more adventures um, in wine. And uh, you know, maybe we'll go skydiving or something to, to scare, <laughs> scare ourselves. <laughs> Let's do it. Cool. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Cheers.